This is the Unstoppable Podcast, where we are dedicated to bringing you comprehensive insight into the ways and purposes of God. We hope this podcast will encourage, equip, and empower you with meaningful insight from the Word of God to receive His promises and live a life without limits. As you realize your potential, you will join a dynamic group of passionate people who are actively bringing the unstoppable power of heaven into the darkest places on earth. Here is your host, Justin Self. All right, welcome back to the Physics of Faith series. I'm Justin Self, and I am so excited. I know you're probably used to hearing me say that. I'm excited about every episode, but I'm especially excited about this series. We're talking about the physics of faith. These are the laws that govern faith and how you can cooperate with them. And I know that maybe sounds boring if, if, you're, uh, if this is the first one you've listened to the series and you're saying laws of faith, um, boring. That's how my, my son would say it, uh, boring. But it's not like laws that you follow, like, oh, I'm going to have to do this and do that and check the box or anything. No, no, laws of faith. So think about like an airplane. We used this example in the first episode. You know, to design an airplane, you have to understand the laws that govern physics. There are laws that govern air drag. You know, you have coefficient of drag, you have air resistance, you have these types of things that we've put names to and we've kind of discovered. But really, it all comes down to the fact that there are physical laws in the universe that we must learn to cooperate with, just like the law of gravity, right? We're going to get into that a little bit today briefly, that we have to understand the law of gravity. It works. Like, we're not going to go try to design an airplane that works around the law of gravity. If we ignore the law of gravity, we are going to not build an airplane or something that works. Do you understand? (laughs) You know, you know, you hear hear what I'm saying? That's the idea here is that the physical world is governed by laws. God created everything to flow and to cooperate according to these physical laws that we see in the natural realm. You know, God set it up that way. Again, that's why math and physics, uh, there's so many constants uh, in these, these, disciplines and so many laws that we just know mathematically they work every single time because God made it that way. He's a God of order. He's not a God of chaos. And this is kind of a funny side note. There are people who uh, who try to figure Jenny and I out, I guess, and they, they say, well, we can't figure you guys out. And I say, what do you mean by that? You know? And they say, well, you're over here and you're, you're really into the word of God. And I said, yeah, I am, <laughs> you know, guilty. You know, you're really into the word. You're really strong on the Bible, the word of God, the word of God. Everything goes back to the word of God. Very ordered, kind of left brain kind of thing. But at the same time, they say, you're really, you're really into the things of the spirit. You know, you're really over there into the Holy Spirit and praying in tongues and laying hands on people and seeing people healed and all these like miraculous things. And so they don't understand, like they think it's weird that we're into both. And, and my answer is, well, the Bible agrees with the things of the Spirit. And the things of the Spirit have to 100% agree with the Bible. It's a marriage of the Spirit and the Word. And these things work together. And, and that's kind of what I'm, what I'm serving up for you today is I'm serving up this, it's almost like I'm serving a buffet for you, right? This is my job. I want to preface this whole, this whole podcast today with this. It's my job to serve a buffet and put it out for you. And, and it's up to you to eat. Right? I'm not trying to preach what I'm saying here as you must do these and you must believe the same way I believe and you must do things the way I do it. I'm not saying that at all. What I'm trying to do is just show you where my experience, my story, my process, and what I'm seeing in the word of God, and I'm seeing these things play out in the real world. Right. So there's no pressure here. I'm not trying to convince you of anything necessarily, although it might sound like I'm you know, trying to be really convincing. But really, it's just because I'm so passionate. I mean, I've seen these things work. And I'm so excited just to share these things with you. So 
I really want you to come away from, especially this episode today, with a hunger for the word of God. I really want you to step away from this thing saying, man, I... I want to get into the Bible right now. I want to get into the word of God right now and see if these things are true and see what God says about it to me. So that's my encouragement. Um, As a quick introduction, I just want to mention that the first podcast we did, uh, Physics of Faith 1, basically was introducing this concept of the spiritual laws and the physical laws. And uh, I want to mention here that it's interesting to me that like new age people you know, uh, for instance, or, or some of these off, you know, kind of weird, we would, you know, in the Christian circles, we would say, oh, that's weird, or that's off base or whatever. I want to point out that some of those guys actually have discovered some of the laws of the spirit, right? And they're actually walking in some of these laws. Of course, they're not doing it according to the Bible. And so there is, obviously, there's definitely some error there and definitely some, you know, demonic stuff going on. I'm not going to shy away from that. That is absolutely true. However, I want you to note that just because they don't believe the Bible and they aren't Christians doesn't mean that they're not flowing according to some of these laws. Now, what I'm saying is that the laws work for everybody, just like the law of gravity works for everybody. You don't have to be a Christian to believe in And I don't care if you believe in the law of gravity, right? It doesn't matter if you believe in it or not, it's going to work. And that's what I'm saying about these laws. There are people in the business world who have tapped into some of the laws of God, the laws of seed time and harvest, sowing and reaping, giving and receiving. You know, there's a statistic I heard, and it was a famous uh, business person who, you know, is, is, is well known for giving business advice, and, and, and he's very well off and all these types of things. And one of the things he said publicly, and he's not a believer, is he says, you know, the best thing you can do with your finances is give. He says, give your finances, start giving to charities, give to nonprofits, give to other people. And he says, that's the single best thing I've seen that I can do with my finances to increase my net worth. This is a non-Christian who's saying stuff like this. And you and I, you know, if you're into the Bible at all, you could point to a dozen scriptures that point out that very same thing. You know, it's more blessed to give than to receive and these types of, of scriptural precedent. So my point here is that the, these laws work for everybody. And my job is, again, to set these things before you and encourage you to really start operating in these laws. Like we saw in the first episode, we talked briefly about the woman with the issue of blood and how she started operating in these laws. Here's a preview. The next couple episodes in the Physics of Faith series, I'm actually going to break down that story out of Mark chapter 5. And we're going to go through the different laws that this woman with the issue of blood, um, how she got healed using her faith. Jesus said to her, it is your faith that has made you whole. Your faith, woman, has made you whole. So I'm going to point out to you that, you know, specific laws that she that she walked in. So I'm excited about that. Uh, the second podcast, we talked about the blood and the wonder. My point with that was, I really wanted to, to drive this thing home that the blood of Jesus is enough. We're not adding to, to the blood. We're not taking away from the blood. The blood of Jesus is more than enough. Okay, more on that later today. The second thing about the, the last podcast was the wonder factor. I called it the wonder factor. You know, oh, people say, oh, we don't want to reduce God to a formula. You know, we don't want to reduce him to this equation and just, you know, he's so predictable. And and I'm here to say, man, you know what? You start looking at the laws of God and you you start thinking in terms of a formula to a degree. I'm not saying that everything in, you know, in the Bible is a formula. I'm not, I'm not, please don't misunderstand me. But what I am saying is that just like in this, in the natural realm, physics, chemistry, biology, all these things are governed by equations, physical laws that work every time. That is a part of God I want you to see, right? There is a balance here. He is spontaneous. He is amazing and intimate and relational and right-brained and all that stuff. But I really want you to see this side of God. I want him, my prayer is that 
he reveals himself to you in this way, that you receive it. Like I'm setting this table out before you, that you eat it, that you consume the word of God. You don't just consume my teaching, but you get into the word of God for yourself. And my prayer is that God would reveal himself to you in a brand new way. Cool? All right. I know you're excited about this. Thanks. Hey, you know, I just wanted to say thanks for listening. Thanks for taking the time. I know some of you are driving in the car and you're going to work and stuff and, and you're making a sacrifice. Um, I know some of you are in an airplane <laughs> listening and, and you know, this is a sacrifice. Uh, you could be listening to something else right now, but I'm just excited that you are taking the time to build your spirit on the word of God. So praise the Lord. I'm excited. All right, cool. All right, here we go. So today's podcast is titled, um, the fundamental forces of grace and faith. Hey, that's pretty cool. If you're a science nerd like me, you're going to you're gonna definitely gravitate, <laughs> pun intended, to that, right? And so here's the idea, right? So in physics, there's these things called the four fundamental forces. And basically, these four fundamental forces describe everything that we know of in nature. And this is kind of where we're at today in physics. There might be five, right? There might be something else that we don't know about yet. But at this point, it's four. And, and here are the four forces. It's the force due to gravity. It's electromagnetism the strong nuclear force, and the weak nuclear force. Most of you have probably heard of gravity and possibly electromagnetism, but I'll bet most of you haven't heard of the strong force and the weak force. Essentially what the strong force and the weak force do is those are really, really small, um, acting over you know small distances inside of atoms, and they hold things together that should basically, like the strong force, for instance, is a force that we don't really understand, but we know that without it, uh, atoms would basically explode. They'd rip themselves apart. <laughs> and it's like, why aren't they ripping themselves apart? Oh, there must be something holding it in place. Let's call it the strong force. And again, those of you who are very physics-minded, please forgive me. I'm, I'm trying to keep this applicable to everybody. I know there's more to it than that, but I'm just going to try to speak to everybody in the room here. Here's one example. Okay, let's say you throw a baseball in the air, right? You throw a baseball, and it flies on a certain trajectory, and it eventually comes down, right, due to the force due to gravity, right? You, you, you know that. Everybody knows that the ball comes down. The baseball is held together, like the molecular forces and the atomic forces are held together by the weak and the strong forces, like I just mentioned. And then the electromagnetic force, you might be thinking, well, a baseball is neither electrical or magnetic. But again, you zoom in real close. It's actually the electromagnetic force is what's responsible for holding the structure of the baseball together. So again, you got to zoom in real close and see it. But you can pick any physical system and you can you can break it apart into the four fundamental forces. All right, are you still with me? Stick with me. Don't 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 zone out on me. This is good. Listen to this. This is really important. I want you to pay attention here. And so, what here's the next thing I want to say. If you were to remove one any one of those forces, right? The baseball would explode. <laughs> Literally, if you were to, if you were to pull like like I just said the, the strong force, if you were to remove that strong force, literally matter. If we were to just take that force out of our world, all of matter would just explode. It just wouldn't work. If you took away gravity, stars would explode. Things would start exploding. I mean, it's really catastrophic when you remove one of these forces. Okay. In the same way, here's what I'm trying to say. In the same way, in the, those are the things in the natural, right? In the spirit, we have the laws of grace and faith. Those are two forces. Uh, maybe there's another one. Again, you know, ask me in 10 years and I might have a better explanation than what I have right now. But right now I'm, I'm here telling you that there are two forces in the spiritual that I know of, the, the fundamental forces of grace and faith. And so what we're going to talk about today are the, the fundamental forces of grace and faith, how they work together. And what I'm trying to tell you here is that if you were to remove one of them, if you were to remove grace from the equation, or if you were to just remove faith from the equation and have, have just grace only, this thing would self-destruct. The Bible does not work 
life doesn't work if you just take one of those things out and it would self-destruct in your life. That's the point. Okay, here's another example. So, so sodium, right? So, most of you have probably heard of sodium, uh, the chemical uh, or the uh, element on the periodic table, Na, sodium. It is a, uh, in its natural state, it's a metal, believe it or not. It's, it's an odorless, soft, like silvery metal. And here's the crazy thing. <laughs> it reacts violently. Listen to this. I'm going to read a note here. It says, it reacts violently with water, steam, air, and moist air to produce corrosive sodium hydroxide and flammable and explosive hydrogen gas. That's what happens if you have pure sodium exposed to, to these things. Uh, sodium hydroxide is another name for lye, L-Y-E, or caustic soda that causes severe chemical burns when it's in contact with your skin. All right, would everybody agree that sodium by itself is pretty, pretty gnarly? So that's sodium. I want to mention uh, chloride now, or chlorine. So chlorine, Cl, Cl minus on the element table, also by itself is super dangerous. And some of you know where I'm going with this, but just bear with me. I have a really funny story about this. Um, actually not that funny. So when I was working on a kidney dialysis unit um, several years ago, I noticed that in one of the pr procedures for cleaning the pipes, um, these are like, these are sterile pipes that you use to, you actually take um, city water and you run it through an entire room full of filters so that the, the water can actually come in contact with a patient's blood. So it has to be really, really, really sterile. And so you, you do disinfection processes on these pipes and you have to go through all the stuff to, to make sure it's perfectly clean. You do it every day. And once a week you would do, you know, deeper level cleaning. In one of these deeper level cleaning procedures, I noticed that we used citric acid on the pipes, but then we also used bleach on the same pipes. And here I am, this is an example of how uh, a little bit of knowledge can be dangerous. Here I am like finishing my, my one of my general college chemistry courses, you know, and and I noticed, I was thinking, I'm like, citric acid, bleach, I, I, something about that sounds bad. And so I ran the chemical formulas on paper. I, I drew out the chemical formulas and I, I did the math. And sure enough, on paper, it looked like it looked like chlorine gas was going to be a byproduct of that. And so I'm thinking, hey, if people don't know that when you mix, if, if somebody were to like not follow these procedures exactly correct and accidentally, you know, mix citric acid and bleach in the pipes, you could possibly get chlorine gas. And so I'm like, well, you know, I, I'm not sure what, I'm not a chemist, you know, I'm just kind of guessing I'm, I'm doing this stuff on paper, but I'm not sure I'm right. So let's do an experiment, you know? And so I was like, well, I'm going to, I'm going to be as safe as I can, you know, and I'll go to some back corner of some, some place, you know, and, uh, and I'll run an experiment. I'll, I'll, I'll take some citric acid. I'll take some uh, bleach and I'm going to go ahead and mix it, you know, in a little small quantity. No, we'll see what happens, you know? <laughs> and so here I am. Some of you who know me are like, uh, that sounds like Justin. So so I do that, right? So I mix them together, a little tiny quantity. And sure enough, there's like this, you know, a little bit of a gas I could see kind of floating up. And I'm thinking, okay, that's cool. I wonder if that's, you know, what is that? And I remember, I remember something about chlorine gas. Like I vaguely remember chlorine gas, something about World War One, something about like, you know, what was that? You know, I don't know, nerve gas or something. I'm not sure. Maybe it's dangerous. I'm not sure, but let's just go ahead. And so, so, you know, the, you know, the chemistry trick, right? You, you, you never, your professor always, uh, my professor always said, you never stick your nose right into the thing and sniff it. Never, ever. Not like you, you know, sniff your, your cooking chicken at home or something, but you always waft it. You know, you stick your hand and you kind of wave it and you, you, you gently waft the fumes so you can smell it. So I gently wafted the fumes, you know, everything I was taught to do. And I immediately started choking. <laughs> I mean, my, th my throat started closing up, man. 
my eyes started watering and I'm telling you immediately I was like I could feel my throat closing and I'm like this is the weirdest thing I can't breathe I can't see this is not good so I, I dump those things down the drain and I'm like man okay that must have been chlorine gas I guess you know and so I, I say all that to say that that chlorine gas is a bad thing. So, so chlorine by itself is, is not good, right? Cl minus by itself is not good. Na by itself, sodium, is not good. But check this out. When you mix sodium and chlorine together properly, you end up with NaCl, which most of you are very familiar with as common table salt. It's something that's essential for our life. Our bodies use salt, NaCl, Two, these are two elements that when they're separate, they will kill you. They will mess you up. But when you put them together and you blend them properly, they are an essential source of life for your body and for fluid shift and all that kind of stuff in your, in your cells. So how awesome is that? Like what a great example of, for, for me, I'm drawing an application here, an analogy, grace and faith. When you take them by themselves, faith only over here will kill you. Grace only over here will kill you. H having this mindset where it's all about grace, only grace, 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 with no faith at all will kill you. Faith, 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 faith with no grace also will kill you. You cannot take these things separate. They are not mutually exclusive. You take grace and faith properly, the Bible teaches, together. And that's the way to do it. And so here's a scripture that I want to point out. And some of you are thinking, well, hey, wait a minute. You know, the Bible does say that we're saved by grace and that's it, right? Grace and grace alone. You hear that a lot in, in Christian circles. Well, one of the scriptures that's used for this, for this idea is in Ephesians chapter two. So let's go to Ephesians chapter two and we're going to read verses four and five. And it says here, but God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ by grace, you have been saved. And that's the end of the verse. Well, sure, I'll agree that it certainly looks like we're saved by grace and that's it, right? Even while we were dead in trespasses, you, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. Okay, so are we saved by grace or is there any faith involved? If you look just at that verse, it seems to imply that we just need grace only. Okay, interesting. Let's just keep reading. I'm going to jump down here to verse 8. And verse 9, same chapter, just a few verses later. For by grace you have been saved through faith. This is a more, this is a deeper picture here. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And that, not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Do you see, if you study this out, and I've studied this for years, and I just, I love it, and there's so much in these verses, you can see the balance of grace and faith here. Here's an example. It says, for by grace you have been saved through faith. So clearly you are saved by grace, but you're also saved through faith. There's a mixture here. There's a blending here. And it says, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. What's the gift of God? I believe, and there's, this is, there's, there's arguments about this on both sides, but I believe when it says it is the gift of God, I believe it means both. Grace is a gift of God. You can see that when you look into the Hebrew or the, um, the Greek text. The word grace literally means gift, but then faith is also a gift from God. There's also plenty of scriptures that talk about it's, you know, you're saved by the faith of the son of God. It's not our own faith. If it was just my faith by myself, you know, I couldn't believe for anything, right? I don't have enough. I have human faith, but I don't have, I don't have the kind of God faith that's needed to receive salvation. We're going to get into that later, but I believe this is talking about the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Both grace and faith together are gifts from God. Notice this says not of works lest anyone should boast. 
If it was just of faith and not of grace, then it could be of works, right? Because faith is something that's on my end. You know, the Bible talks about us having faith, us growing in faith. You know, like I mentioned earlier, the woman in Mark chapter five, you know, hey woman, you know, your faith has made you whole. So faith is something that's on our end. Grace is the thing that's on God's end. I want to mention this really quick. This is awesome. It says, and I'm reading from my notes here, grace is what God provided and faith is our response to that work of grace. Isn't that awesome? Now, if you're still not convinced, check this out. Let's go to Titus chapter two. And I want to make a point here. Titus chapter two and verse 11. And here's the point I want to make. If, if we are really saved by grace and grace alone, which again, it's a really popular saying in Christian circles. If that was the case, then all we would need to be saved and brought into the family of God is grace without faith, right? Oh, I'm saved by grace and grace alone. Well, check this out. Titus 2.11 says, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men or all people, right? Men and women. So here's my question. If we are saved by grace and grace alone, and, and, and there's no faith involved at all, right? If, if it's not like our, our response to grace, if that doesn't matter, then we should all be saved, right? For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. If that's the case, then everybody should be saved because the grace of God has appeared to everybody, right? So how come everybody's not saved? It's because everybody hasn't responded. Not everybody has responded in faith to that which God has provided through grace. Again, if we're saved by grace and grace alone, not faith, then John 3, 16 goes out the window. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Whoever believes in him. So that right there is, this is another picture of grace and faith working together. You have for God so loved the world that he gave. That's the grace part. That's God's part. Then it says, here's the, here's the faith part, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. So you see, God provides through grace, the promise. He does the work. He's the one who did it. Now, I want you to notice something that grace is not something you and I have any control of whatsoever. You and I could not drum up grace. You and I couldn't ask for, for that kind of grace. We couldn't, none of it. It doesn't matter. The grace of God is the grace of God. And it's amazing and wonderful. And I see how certain denominations and churches and teachings are just so hyper-focused on grace. And that's all they preach. And that's all they talk about. And they make it sound like it's just all about grace and nothing else. And just grace, 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 grace. I see that because grace is amazing. Grace is incredible. The grace of God is absolutely matchless. It is beautiful. It is wonderful. It is without reproach. It's perfect. It's sinless. It's holy. It's wonderful, right? But here's the point I want to make. There's nothing you and I can do to change that grace of God, but you and I have everything to do with how we respond to that grace. Does that make sense? You know, God provided through grace, all these amazing things, but it's our job to by faith, connect with it, engage with it. Um, here's another example. I've heard this before, and this really st sticks out to me in my mind. Let's say that you are at your house, and in fact, I'm looking right now at a, at a light switch, right? I'm looking over at a light switch. So I'm looking over at this light switch, and it's turned off, right? And I want my light to turn on. Does it make sense for me to call the power company and say, hey, excuse me, guys, um, the light in my bedroom is not on, and I'd like you guys to please turn it on for me? <laughs> They're going to say, what are you talking about, man? We've piped the electricity to your house. It's already there, right? Have you tried flipping the switch? And, you know, you go ahead and flip the switch and it turns on and you say, oh, thank you. You know, thank you so much for sending the power. What they'll say is, we already sent the power. 
you're the one who flipped the switch, right? We didn't send the power when you flipped the switch. The power was already there the whole time. You just flipped the switch and made it work. That's a really, really, really good picture of grace and faith. God pipes in the grace. He pipes in the favor. He pipes in uh, the promises, you know, in the Bible. But it's up to us to flip that switch, right? You notice that faith isn't moving God, right? When I flip that switch, I'm not making God do something. That's a point of contention that people take against the the so-called faith movement or the faith crowd or the word of faith or whatever you want to call it, is that people are, are saying, oh, you're making God move. You're trying to make God move with your faith. Well, that is not a healthy view of faith. If you're trying to make God move, if you're trying to make him do something, all the faith in the world isn't going to do anything to move God. You can understand that. God's not stuck, right? He doesn't need to move. He's piped everything to that switch. It's our job to, to flip that switch and to engage with what God's done. And I think that that will change your life. If you can get what I just said and really understand that, the, that there's a balance here between what God has provided through grace and what we engage in through our faith, that right there will just change your life. That changed my life. Now, here's one example I want to give you out of my own life. When I first got turned on to the Lord and I just was fired up, you know, fired up with the things of God, and I just started learning this concept that I actually had something to do with receiving God's promises, it, it, it just, it totally changed my way of thinking. And I kind of went off, off the diving board, you know, in the other direction. So uh, up until that moment, I just kind of floated through life and I just said, well, you know, God does things and he, you know, he's sovereign and, you know, he'll, he'll do this in my life or, or he'll do this. Or, you know, my life is kind of going the way that it should, it is going because of God's, God's, God's in control or whatever. And I'm here to tell you that that is absolutely faulty. That is a wrong theology right now. And again, you can look that up in scripture, but, uh, you know, saying that God is in control of everything is, is basically what you're saying is that God is personally behind all the rape, the murder, the destruction, the, uh, the earthquakes, and the killing of people, the kidnapping of people, the abortion of millions of babies, the murders of people, and all these, these things, you're saying God is in control of that. God's personally involved in that. And that's absolutely not true. If you look at scripture, you know, God is good. The things that he does are good. You know, don't be deceived, it says in James chapter 1. You know, don't be deceived, brethren. God is not mocked. You know, every good and perfect thing comes from the Father. So there's so many things we could talk about with that. The point I'm making here is that God provides things through grace and it's up to us to connect or engage with that thing through faith. And just, I guess, since I brought it up, <laughs> I'll point out that in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, there's a statement that says that, that Satan is the God, lower G, lower G, Satan is the God of this world, right? The reason that things are in such a mess are because Satan is running the thing. Satan really is in charge of things on the earth. Now, that doesn't mean that he's in charge of you and me, right? We, we are in the blood of Jesus. We're in the, and if we're walking in the kingdom of God, you know, as little children, walking in the kingdom of God, childlike faith, childlike acceptance and belief in God's goodness and all these things with spiritual authority, you know, God, uh, Satan's not over us, but Satan definitely is over the world system, which explains why there's so many nasty things happening. Anyway, I don't want to hijack the episode by going there, but <laughs> I kind of opened the can of worms. So if you do want to hear more on that, we can talk about that. Send me an email. Let me know. If it's a nasty email, I'm not going to respond. But if it's a nice email, I'll see what I can do. But all that, what was I saying? I was saying about my experience. So when I first got into, you know, hearing about this idea that I could actually have something to do with the outcome of my life, according to the word of God, I was like blown away. And so 
you might think this is hilarious, okay? But what I'm about to tell you is 100% true. And it makes me sound like an idiot. <laughs> so just, just bear with me, okay? But, but I want to tell you this story as an example. I remember like either the next morning or a couple days after I was baptized in the Holy Spirit and spoke in tongues and just saw the power of God for the first time in my life. And I was so excited about this idea of grace and, uh, excuse me, of faith and flipping the switch and just like, you know, kind of writing my own ticket and being able to like engage with God and like see power, you know, I, I, I totally didn't know the word, right? I didn't know a lot about the word. I didn't understand what I'm telling you right now. This was over 10 years ago. I had no clue. But hey, you know what? I, I had a, I had passion. And so I remember the next morning or, or a couple days after, I woke up and I looked over at my alarm clock. It was on the other side of the room and it was ringing, right? Normally, you know, I'd get up and walk over and hit the snooze button, right? Or, or turn it off. You know, that's why I put it on the other side of the room. So I'd get up. So it starts going off the next morning. I get up in bed and I looked over at that thing and I'm like, I've got the power of God. <laughs> I'm going to turn that snooze button off right from where I'm sitting. <laughs> you know, God, God is my witness. I reached my hand out just like Luke Skywalker did on episode uh, five, you know, with the Wampa. He's he's in the frozen ice cave and he's reaching out there for his for his lightsaber, you know, uses the force and, you know, it, it wiggles its way out of the ice and he grabs it, you know, and he uses the lightsaber and he saves the day. Spoiler alert. I mean, hey, that's how it happens. If you haven't seen those movies yet, you probably never will. Anyway. I literally, guys, I literally reached my hand out like that. And I am telling you from the bottom of my heart, I had all the faith in the world. <laughs> I didn't have one doubt of unbelief or one, or sorry, I didn't have one ounce of doubt, one ounce of unbelief, nothing. It, I'm telling you right now, that was pure faith. I had just seen miracles. I had just seen God do things. I was so full of faith. I said, man, if God can do that, if God can, you know, heal people and do things and change my life and and I mean, I saw people, you know, I saw things I'd never seen before just through my experience receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit and seeing the power of God. And so I'm sitting there and I'm telling you, I was full of faith, right? And so I reached my hand out and I'm just like, come here, alarm clock, you know, and I'm telling you, I was expecting that thing to come flying. I was legitimately surprised when it didn't. That's how full of faith I was. I was actually surprised when it didn't happen. Here's a side note. This is one way that you... You, you and I should be living our lives. We should be living our lives, laying hands on people, speaking to demons and telling them to come out, just like Mark chapter 16. You know, these signs will follow them that believe. They will take up serpents. They'll speak in new tongues. They're going to lay hands on the sick and they will uh, recover. You know, they'll, they'll cast out demons. You should, you and I should be, if and when it doesn't happen, we should be surprised. That's where our faith should be. We shouldn't be surprised when it happens, <laughs> Right? How many, how many of you know that when you go to a church service right now and somebody gets healed, everybody in the room gets surprised? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Man, brothers and sisters in Christ, I'm telling you, it should not be that way. We should expect miracles. We should expect the results of the Bible. We should expect and act like the Bible is true. That's actually a really simple definition of faith that I really like. Acting like the Bible is true. Just act like it's true. That's faith. Faith is an action. Faith does stuff. Faith acts like the Bible is true. I had all the faith in the world. And so I was expecting this thing and it just, I was really kind of bummed out. I was legitimately surprised. And I'm like, God, why didn't that work? You know, and I go up there, you know, hit the snooze button and, and go on and mope around. And you know what he said to me? He said, son, he's like, I, I never provided in my word for you to be able to pull your alarm clock off the, off the counter like that whenever you want, you know? 
And I said, what are you talking about? He began to show me things. He began to show me that faith is a powerful force and faith really can appropriate things. And without faith, you're not going to please God. Hebrews chapter 11, without faith, you're not going to see these things happen. You know, if you're just thinking over here, everything's just going to happen by grace. I'm here to tell you, you're going to be waiting a long time for anything to happen. Here's an example. If you have somebody come up to you and say, oh, well, you know, I'd like to be saved. What do you say? Right? You walk them through the prayer of salvation. You, you get them to engage their faith and engage with what God promised them. You don't just say, oh, that's so good for you that you want to be saved. God's grace is so good. You know, God, God extended his grace towards sinners like you. Praise God, you're, you're saved because God's grace covers that. No, that person has to make a personal decision of faith. They have to engage their actual faith. And that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. We're going to get into that later. That's one of the spiritual laws. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so this is the thing. Faith for me, getting that alarm clock didn't come from anywhere. It didn't come from the word of God. I didn't have anything to base it off. It was just ambition. It just was my personal belief in God and my hope and my expectation, but it wasn't grounded in the scripture. That is the main point here. That's how faith works. Faith works through the promises of God that he, that he provided through grace in the Bible. Let me read another example to you out of the scripture. And you may have heard this one before, but I really want to highlight this in the context of what we're talking about with grace and faith. This is out of Hebrews chapter six, and this is, I'm going to read verse 11 and 12. And it says, and we desire that each one of you show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end, that you do not become sluggish, but you imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Let me read that second part again. I'm going to highlight this part. It says that you do not become sluggish, but imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. And so the writer of Hebrews is talking, um, he's really encouraging his listeners and he's saying, hey, we desire that you guys, you show the diligence, you, full, you show full assurance, you stick with it, you stay strong until the end, that you don't become sluggish, you don't lose momentum, you don't give up, but you imitate those. You do what these other people do. What are they doing? These other people are inheriting the promises. How are they inheriting the promises? Through what? Faith and patience. Can you see the balance of grace and faith here? The fundamental forces of grace and faith here? Let me read it again. Through faith and patience, inherit the promises. So through faith and patience, you're inheriting the promises. It's not through faith and patience you're inheriting whatever you want, you know, regardless of God's word. You know, here's a story here. I heard a minister once tell a story about a woman who wanted to marry a, a certain minister, a certain famous minister. And this person, this woman had all the faith. You know, she was standing on Mark chapter 11, verse 23 and 24. And she was saying, well, you know, believe in my heart, you know, speak in my mouth. And whatsoever things I desire when I pray, believe that I receive them and I'm going to have them. So I believe I receive this man in marriage in Jesus' name. This woman went out and had an actual marriage ceremony, a physical marriage ceremony. The man wasn't present. This guy is married to a woman. I mean, they're, they're famous, you know, well-known minister couple in another part of the country. But this woman gets up there in a wedding dress and everything. And it was, they were getting married in the spirit. And so she was believing God, you know, she was standing in faith and she said, by faith, I claim that man in Jesus name because I'm speaking it out with my mouth and I curse this woman, you know, his, his wife to die <laughs> so that I can have this man. Well, guess what happened? Nothing, <laughs> right? Nothing. Now this woman, she was operating according to the principles of faith, speaking out with your mouth, believing you receive. Those things are completely valid ways of faith. But this is how, like I said, in the beginning of this thing, faith by itself without grace 
is like taking one of the fundamental forces out of the uh, out of the natural world or out of the spiritual world. It short circuits everything else, and it doesn't work. So of course this didn't happen. Nothing. That, you know why? You know why it didn't happen? Actually, let me ask you why? Why didn't it happen? Right? Why? Think about it. Let's go over here to Mark chapter eleven really quick, and let's see. Let's see what this woman did. I'm going to use her as an example because that is a good example. Mark 11, 22, this is Jesus. He says, or 23, for assuredly, I say unto you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things which he says will be done. He shall have whatsoever he says. Verse 24, therefore, I say unto you, whatsoever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. This woman fulfilled that scripture perfectly. It says, whatever things you ask. Well, she asked, didn't she? She asked for something. When she prayed, she believed that she received them and you will have them. That is a promise from Jesus that you will have them. So my question is, why didn't it work? Well, I think it's obvious. God did not ever provide in his word for adultery, you know, and murder in the Bible. He didn't provide those things through grace. He did not make any promises in the word of God that if you want to have someone else's spouse, you can, you know, through adultery, you know, you can, you can have that spouse and you can curse their, 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 their current spouse to die so you can have them. That's wrong. That's a misuse of the laws of faith. You can misuse the laws of faith. You can also misuse grace. You can go over here and say that, you know, everything's provided by grace and just sit around and not receive anything from God because you're just waiting for, for it to happen. No, you're, it, that's like you know, me sitting here in this office or you know, my recording studio, which is really not, which is really a bedroom, secret. <laughs> but it's like me sitting here in this, in this bedroom with all the lights turned out and I'm saying, well, God, I believe it's your will for me to have the lights on. So I'm just gonna trust you and believe you that it's your will to have the lights on. You, I wish you'd, you know, I'm asking you to, to pipe, the, pipe the power in, turn on my lights, bring the power into this room I'm just waiting on you, right? That's the same idea. No, you got to go up there, flip that switch, engage with the power that God has already piped into the thing, and then you're engaging properly with the balance of grace and faith. Here's one more scripture that I want to share before we close today. And you're going to have to, you might have to flip to this yourself. Otherwise, you might not believe me that this is in the Bible. This is going to be probably really hard on some of you, but man, I'm just reading word for word. All right, Psalm, the book of Psalms. Psalm chapter 78, verses 40 and 41. I'm going to read this out of the New King James Version. And I'm telling you, if you've never read this before, study this thing out. It's going to change your life right here. All right, this is talking about the uh, Israelites in the wilderness. They're going through. They have the 40 years of wandering because of disobedience and because they didn't believe God, actually. They, they totally dismissed his word. Listen to this. How, how often they provoked him in the wilderness and grieved him in the desert. Verse 41. Yes, again and again, they tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. Limited the Holy One of Israel. How many of you know that you can limit God? <laughs> how does that work with your theology? <laughs> God's all powerful. Now, listen, I'm not going to argue with that. God is absolutely the top of the food chain. He is all powerful. He is supreme. He is sovereign. If you use the word sovereign correctly, not in control of everything, like we talked about earlier, not the, the grand puppet master. Look, if God was in control of everything, we have scripture that very clearly says that it's God's will that nobody would perish. Second Peter three, nine. 
And that all would come to repentance. Also in John chapter 3, verse 16, you know, God so loved the world that he gave his only son that uh, whoever should believe on him would not perish, but ever have everlasting life. It's God's will that people come to him. It's God's will that people come into the family of God and miss hell and make heaven. That's God's plan. If he was in control of everything, as people say that he is, he would do his will, right? That's his will. Uh, we, we have clearly clear scriptures all over the place. I could go forever on this. <laughs> I'll try to keep it brief uh, on his will. But he has bound himself to his word. This goes back to um, the first podcast on this series is that he's bound himself to his word. He's actually, when he speaks his word out, Psalm 89, 34, my covenant will I not break, nor will I alter the word that's gone forth out of my lips. He's bound himself and covenanted himself by his word. And so when we see a verse like this over here that says, yes, and again and again, they tempted God and they limited the Holy One of Israel. If you don't understand this idea between grace and faith, you're going to say, well, that's a weird scripture and you're going to read over it and you're just going to keep moving. But I want you to notice these people limited God. They And we could go on, uh, oh boy, hey, we could go on for a long time. We could do a whole series. In fact, I, I'll recommend you to Andrew Womack. He has a series called Don't Limit God. He actually has a 10 part series on just limiting God this whole scripture of just limiting God, this idea that you can limit God and how, you know, he shares stories about how, you know, he, how God challenged him and, and told him that he was limiting him and how he just really started to believe God and do things and see, see amazing things happen in his life. So my, my encouragement to you is that, yeah, you can actually limit God. Not that you're strong arming him, but you're limiting the power of God that's made effectual in your life. Did you hear that? Here, l listen up, listen up again here. Uh, pay attention to this part. This is really important. You can actually, by your actions, you can limit your experience of God's power and promise in your life. If I don't flip that switch, the light's not coming on. It's not God's fault. He's piped the thing to my house. This is the balance between grace and faith. If I tried to flip a switch and God didn't provide power to it, I could flip that thing all day long. I could say all the right words. I could do all the right things. I could do all the right Bible studies. I could quote all the scripture I want. You know, I could do everything I want. But if God didn't power that thing through grace, Faith isn't going to make it happen. Faith only appropriates the thing that God has provided through grace. That's how faith works. It only appropriates the things that God has provided through grace. And so this is the, the, the balance here. And, you know, I guess here's one more example from the Bible. When I first had the revelation of physical healing, I had been, med you know, I had been meditating in the word. I've been like speaking. I've been doing all the stuff that I was taught to do that I learned to do and nothing was happening. I was sick. And honestly, I had been sick for years off and on, you know, I would get the flu every year, just like everyone else. And I would get sick and this and that. And I remember I'm like, you know what? This is not God's will for me to be sick all the time. It's not God's will for me to be sick at all. It's, it's God's will for me to become healthy and whole and walk in, walk in wholeness and not be weighed down by this stuff, you know, so that I can, I can live healthy and, and happy and joyful in, in him, you know, and, and free. And so I had all this stuff in my head, but I wasn't really applying it, you know, and for whatever reason, right? It took, took me some time to kind of internalize this stuff. And I want to encourage you with that today as well, is that maybe this is new to you. Maybe this is exciting to you. Just stick with it, you know, go, get into the word of God. That's why I said at the beginning, I'm setting a table out for you right now. My encouragement is, man, sit down at that table and eat. I've shared a lot of scripture with you today. I've shared some stories with you. I encourage you to get into the word of God yourself. Ask the Holy Spirit to reveal these things to you and literally throw out your religious mindset and all the stuff you've been taught if it comes from, I mean, honestly, I'm not saying anything bad about your pastor. You know, there's a lot of good pastors out there, but there's also a lot of pastors out there that are not speaking the word of God. Check your pastor. 
check your sermons, you know, are they preaching the word of God? Check me out, right? Check, I've, I've told you this so many times before in the podcast, check out what I'm saying against the word of God. In fact, that's the whole point of my podcast is to get you into the word of God yourself. I'm just trying to point you in the right direction. That's where I'm at. I'm hearing all this revelation, all this stuff about healing, and I'm not really walking in it. One day I am reading in Romans chapter eight, and some of you might, you know, might argue with me that this isn't the healing scripture, but I'm going to argue right back with you that I got healed off it. So you can say what you want. <laughs> Romans chapter eight, verse 11. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Guess what happened? I'd been sick for weeks. I was on a lunch break at work. I was in my car sleeping because that's all I could do. I was exhausted. I was sniffing and coughing. I felt terrible. It was a, probably a flu or something, you know, but I had it for a long time. I read this verse and suddenly something flipped on the inside of me. And I said, wait a minute. This is literally a promise. Romans 8, 11, But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. I said, I've got the spirit dwelling in me. I've got a mortal body, you know, he's going to give life to that thing. And so right there in that moment, I engaged my faith. I said, Lord, that is me. That's, that's me. That's all I said. I said, that's me. And guess what? I flipped the switch. God's power flowed. I mean, it had been flowing. It just was, you know, me flipping the switch of faith and really engaging with what God had already provided through grace. And I'm here to tell you, man, instant healing. My body was instantly healed. I got, I mean, I shot up like a like a rocket. I was like, whoa, what, what just happened? My body suddenly feels great. I feel a burst of energy. Man, I went back to work and I just got busy and people were like, what's going on with you? I thought you were sick. And I said, I got healed and I got to tell people about the Lord. I mean, it was awesome. And I'm telling you right now, that was probably, yeah, like I said, that was about 10 years ago. I have not been sick. Hear me out. One time in 10 years. Not one time, flu, bug, any type of thing like that. Now, some of you who know me are like, well, wait a minute, Justin, I, I know that you've you know, kind of been under the weather a couple of times. There are several cases where in the last 10 years I have burned out, like I've run myself into the ground. And yes, my body has kind of had to recover, you know, but that's not a, that's not the same thing as, you know, oh, I'm going to get, you know, the flu, the bug, whatever, the allergies. My allergies are gone, by the way, too. I used to have allergies, totally gone. From, I haven't had allergies in over 10 years. Same thing. I'm walking in this thing. But yeah, I, I, I burned out several times because I just push too hard and I say yes too much and I just do things, you know. And so I just, I push too hard, don't sleep enough and, and my body reacts. But even in those cases, I'm only down for like half a day, maybe a day at the worst. And again, that's not like a sickness coming on me. That's literally me being stupid and pushing too hard. And so other than those isolated incidents where I've just pushed too hard or whatever, I have not gotten sick. I've not gotten the flu. I've got not, not, I didn't get COVID, you know, COVID all around me. I was exposed. I had all sorts of stuff like that. And I mean, direct exposure for long periods of time, zero, zero effects, zero anything. And I'm not saying this to brag. I'm not trying to say this to make myself sound cool again. And I'm not even claiming to be an expert on any of this stuff. Okay. What I'm telling you is my experience and how I am taking the word of God. I'm believing it. I'm acting like it's true. And I'm recognizing that my faith doesn't move God. My faith doesn't cause him to do something that he's not already inclined to do. But when I see something in the scripture that he promised, you better bet that I can get online with that thing, right? I have to renew my mind to that scripture and get all my bad teaching out and get all my bad thoughts out, 
right? And I have to renew my mind to that scripture. And once, just like in Romans 8, 11, this, the story I just shared, once I get my mind wrapped around the scripture and he really reveals and breathes it into me, then I, then I have that faith, right? Again, we're, in the next couple episodes, I'm going to get into the actual specific laws. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith takes action, you know, uh, faith and, and unbelief are opposite forces, right? Those are a couple things that I'm going to be sharing about in the next few episodes uh, specifically to help you with this. But for today, I just wanted to encourage you with grace and faith. So hopefully that made sense. Please send me an email um, if if you want some more information on that. I'm, I've said a lot of stuff today. I'm sure I made a few mistakes on something. But again, my point was to get you into the word of God, grace and faith. I hope this has encouraged you. I really think that this content can change your life. If you get into the word of God yourself, look up those scriptures that I gave you and engage with the Holy Spirit. Thank you so much. Hope this helps. We'll see you on the next episode. Thank you for listening to the Unstoppable Podcast. For more resources, including previous episodes, blogs, and free downloadable content, visit us at unstoppableblog.net. You can also find us on Facebook at Unstoppable Blog. We hope this podcast has encouraged, equipped, and empowered you with meaningful insight from the Word of God to receive His promises and live a life without limits.